Podcast Network. From the world's bastion of freedom come new levels of repression, suppression, and silencing of true speech driven by a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? I don't think so. So how does the truth avoid being a casualty? It finds an ally. The Truth News Network. And your conductor on this underground railroad is Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live, our midweek chapter. How are you doing? How did yesterday go? First of all, once again, let me give you my apologies. TNN Live was dark yesterday. I had to be out of town. Had um, a medical procedure performed for me out of state. Don't worry, nothing critical, nothing. I would say nothing serious but it has to do with my ability to motor around my back, lower back. I've had uh, some fairly significant issues, and I had to go to Texas to have a uh, medical procedure done, but all came out well, all is good, and we're back in the saddle again. Um, I thought for a minute we were going to be able to get a guest host for you yesterday, but it didn't work out, and so we just went dark. That very seldom, if ever, happens here at TNN Live. And my apologies. Uh, Yeah, the world kept moving while I was gone. And your world kept moving, uh, turning around out in space while I was gone. I know there's a lot that happened yesterday and the day before, and we want to catch up. But let's look ahead just for a second to the next two days coming up. On Thursday's show, tomorrow's show, we're going to have a very special guest with us, a pastor named David Scarlett. Now, you may have heard of Pastor Scarlett. He's got a worldwide television ministry, reaches 20 million people a day. And he has stepped to the forefront of leading the Christians in America who don't know how to handle their anti-vax feelings and sentiments. What should they do? What are our options? Um, Is this really the fulfillment of the book of Revelation in the Bible, all those kind of questions, he's out in the forefront. And he just put it out, all out there, folks. He makes no bones about it. Uh, You probably, if you follow Rumble Podcast, you probably have seen him there, several different ones. One of these worldwide tours that's been going on that include a lot of people that you've heard here at TNN Live, like Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Dr. Fleming, uh, Dr. McCulloch, well, Pastor David has been on that uh, platform with those people and has spoken several times. He's going to be with us in our first hour tomorrow, so don't you dare miss it. Make sure you join us at 9 o'clock sharp central. And I know you do that every day anyway, so I just want to give you that little update. Also, Friday morning at 9 o'clock sharp. We're going to introduce you to somebody that you've seen on national television over the last couple of decades, a bunch. His name is Christopher Key. And uh, this guy, folks, he is amazing. He's been plugged in for many years with athletes of all kind, natural medicine in a big way, came up with some things. And you may remember, I guess maybe seven, eight years ago, It was big news. He was working closely with a bunch of NFL stars. And um, they were having such success, and so many NFL players were moving over to start dealing with some of the processes and products 
that uh, Christopher Key and his organization were putting out there that NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell stepped in and actually got the federal government involved and they just systematically almost overnight destroyed Christopher Key in every way, socially, professionally, took his houses, his cars, and shut down his business. And there was never any kind of litigation, never any kind of criminal activity, never any explanations for why that all happened. But you're going to hear firsthand from him. He's back up and running, and he is uh, leading a cause called Vaccine Police. This is going to be an interesting show. I've spent some time with him on the phone, and he is some kind of knowledgeable guy, and he is just one of us. He makes no bones about it but he's going to peel back some of the mystery about the vaccine horrors that are being pushed on everybody, and specifically Christians. So we have a lot in store for you. That's tomorrow, David, Pastor David Scarlett, and Friday, Christopher Key. Our commitment to you is we're only going to bring people on this show that speak directly into your life. And uh, we vet those that come on. Now, please understand this. The people that we have on here, and we've had on some heavyweights, you got to admit, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, um, Dr. Judy Mikevitz, Dr. Richard Fleming, uh, Dr. Scarborough, uh, he is he is uh, Dr. McCulloch, I don't know why I said Scarborough, Dr. McCulloch is at the forefront right now in a war against the vaccine mandates nationwide. And um, he's been on all of the big networks recently, ABC, CBS, NBC. I saw him the other evening on Fox News. Those are the kind of people that we're bringing to you that all have, uh, I don't want to say an accurate depiction of everything they bring to us. I think in the most part, we wouldn't have them here if we couldn't prove that what they're telling us is the truth. I think you, you probably understand that. But people with ideas that aren't always flowing with the mainstream ideas that are being touted for Americans, and I think you'll agree with me, there's way too much of that going on right now. you got to agree with that. So anyway, here's what we say at Truth News Network. We're going to bring you information. We're going to bring you stuff that we vetted in the marketplace of ideas. And just because we bring those people here and the stories that we cover, just because we do that doesn't mean we want you or expect you to swallow everything you see and hear just because it's coming from us. That's not what we're about. What we want you to do is hear things and then do some research on your own. Investigate what you hear and get a confirmation on the validity of what these people say and what you read here you got to do that, folks. We have so much at stake right now. We have more at stake right now than at any other time in American history. And I'm pretty sure that that fact is peeling back the layers of uh, anonymity that a lot of people are just saying, ah, I'm not going to get into that. It's going to work out over time. I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. More and more people are finding out that doesn't work anymore. you got to engage. You have a responsibility, if to no one else, to yourself. You've got to engage to get facts. So let's get started with some facts right now. 
you keep hearing about this boondoggle, this legislative, I don't know what to call it other than a titan of corruption that the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress are trying to shove down our throats. Three and a half trillion dollars in a reconciliation budget bill. They call it a budget bill, but it's a pork. It's a fat bill. So have you had any chance to dig into what's included in this $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill? Well, over the next few minutes, we're going to pull a few nuggets out for you. Buried way down in the middle of it is an unconstitutional vaccine enforcement mechanism. And that mechanism that if this bill is passed will automatically click into play threatens to bankrupt businesses unless every business forces their employees to get a COVID-19 injection. If that bill is enacted into law, even employers that respect their employees' rights to health freedom and informed consent would be left with an impossible decision. And what would that be? Either mandate COVID-19 jabs or essentially go out of business because of unbearable fines. Listen to this, folks. Now, the White House announced in September companies with 100 or more employees would have to ensure their staff have gotten a COVID-19 injection or were tested regularly for the virus. The Labor Department's OSHA division is to be in charge of enforcing this rule. That rule is going to impact more than 80 million U.S. workers. In order to carry out this draconian measure, OSHA plans to use what's called an ETS, an Emergency Temporary Standard, which is a drastic measure that's used every now and then, but only to accelerate new orders that have only been attempted 10 times in the agency's 50-year history. OSHA would be able to enforce fines of up to $13,600 per violation of the rules, but the new measure tucked into the reconciliation bill raises the fines for noncompliance and the fines go through the roof. So before we go any further, it should be noted the mandate doesn't even exist right now. You heard me right. A lot of people are already really going crazy about Biden's mandate, Biden's mandate. It doesn't even exist right now, and we don't know that it ever will. It hasn't even been sent to the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs for approval. And it's not yet a legally enforceable mandate, but they're making people believe that it is. Why are they doing that? Well, you know why. More and more people, millions of people so far since Joe Biden made that announcement in September, have said, hey, I'm going to have to do it eventually, so before it gets crowded and I have to take a lot of time to go do it, I'll just go ahead and get it done now. On page 168 of this 2,465-page bill is wording that should send an authoritarian chill down the back of anybody who believes in health freedom. It outlines fines for employers that the word is willfully, and another word, repeatedly, and another word, or seriously violate the labor law, including by not requiring COVID jabs or regular COVID testing. Here's what Forbes had to say about it. This is from Forbes Magazine. 
The increased fines on employers could run as high as $70,000 for serious infractions, $700,000 for willful or repeated violations, almost three-quarters of a million dollars for each fine. If enacted into law, VAX enforcement could bankrupt non-compliant companies even more quickly than the $14,000 OSHA fine anticipated under Biden's announced mandate. All this stuff is buried in, in the lettering in this bill. In case you missed it, that $700,000 fine, folks, is for each violation, meaning it would bankrupt all but the very largest companies if they don't fully comply with COVID-19 jab mandates or take on the cost of weekly COVID testing of their employees. Currently, the fines only apply to businesses that have those hundred or more employees, but there's nothing stopping them from changing it to 50 employees or even one employee. Anything could happen at this point. Some, such as Representative Chip Roy out of Texas, have called on businesses to openly rebel against the OSHA rule. But as Forbes put it, it's one thing to defy a $14,000 fine. It's quite another to risk incurring hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. One or two disgruntled employees, for example, could bring an employer seventy dollars to $140,000 in OSHA fines, like that. If it's considered willful, as per Representative Roy's tweet, just three violations could quickly become a $2.1 million OSHA fine. As mentioned, the mandate that Biden announced is currently a mirage. Speaking with the Federalist, that is an outlet that we highly recommend here at Truth News Network, the Federalist. That spokeswoman for the Indiana Occupational Safety and Health Administration explained it this way. There is nothing there yet that gives employers any mandate. The president made an announcement asking OSHA to do it, but we've not yet seen anything come from it. An ETS may take six months to go into effect, even after the mandate is put in the federal register, which hasn't happened yet. OSHA's COVID-19 health care ETS also makes no mention of vaccine mandates right now. ETS rules are also often overturned in court. In the last five decades, here's an example. Courts have challenged six of the ten ETS standards that have been suggested. Five of the six got turned away. However, using an ETS for the mandate, the Federalist pointed this out, it allows the Biden administration to push its demands faster and without any public input or requirement of responding to public input which is normally required of even legally laughable federal rulemaking this one would be. This may be why more lawsuits haven't been filed to challenge it yet. There's nothing to challenge. It's not in play. There is no mandate right now. It's also worth noting that less than 2% of U.S. businesses will be affected by the mandate, as more than 98% of U.S. businesses have fewer than 100 employees, and that exempts them from the mandate. Still, those 2% account for two-thirds of all the employees in the U.S. So they're a sizable minority, believe me. 
Many of these large corporations have already put injection mandates into place, or they're planning to. The mandate announcement allows the megacorporations to mandate the jabs without having to be the bad guy. They can just point to D.C. Roy and Senator Mike Lee of Utah introduced a bill, the No Taxation Without Congressional Consent Act. They issued that bill, introduced it September 30th. It would prohibit the federal government imposing a fine, a fee, or a tax on individuals or businesses for violating a COVID-19 vaccine mandate issued by OSHA or any other agency. If it passes, it would prevent the outrageous fines threatening to bankrupt small businesses under the reconciliation bill. Roy said it this way, your decision about whether or not to get a COVID vaccine should be yours and yours alone. The proposed mandate is unconstitutional and flat-out tyrannical. No freedom-loving American should comply. This country needs, and her people deserve, health care freedom. That means taking control over our care, back from politicians and bureaucrats. He said, I am proud to introduce this legislation with my good friend Senator Mike Lee to gut the federal government's ability to enforce this unconstitutional mandate. And further, folks, here's a biggie nobody's talking about. If you're not vaccinated, it ain't a crime. It's not illegal. Just because Joe Biden says you should do it, I I know he's done a lot in his life. He drove a truck. He drove a school bus, which were lies. He finished top of his class in law school, which was a lie over and over and over again. Why would anybody listen to anybody that has been proven to lie a bunch? Which thing they say is the one you can make a life-changing decision based on for you and your family members? Think about that. There's no forced vaccination. But as Senator Lee said, unvaxxed Americans are not the enemy. We should not be forcing employers to fire some of their valuable and now hard-to-find workers. We shouldn't be threatening business owners with closure who do not wish to police their workforce decisions. Many simply can't incur the cost of this enforcement, and this economy especially. And so, just like was expected, and I'm sure just like what was planned when the Biden administration decided to go this way with this mandate, These vaccine mandates are targeting every angle from places of employment to restaurants, gyms, sports arenas already. Los Angeles recently approved one of the strictest mandates in the U.S. and will require a vaccine passport to enter indoor public spaces. I mean, we're talking about shopping malls, museums, restaurants, spas, and other locations. California also became the first U.S. state to require students in kindergarten through 12 to get COVID shots following full FDA approval. Council President Nuri Martinez called the move a necessary step towards returning to normalcy. But there's nothing normal about presenting proof of an injection to just live your everyday life in America. This, however, folks is what the new normal is all about. Increasing surveillance, 
increasing authoritarian control while ditching our personal liberties. And vaccine passports have always been part of this plan from the very beginning. Listen to this. The World Economic Forum, the WEF, their 2030 published agenda, by the way, is part and parcel of what is now advertised as the Great Reset. It's a plan that originated in something called the Global Redesign Initiative, drafted by the World Economic Forum in the wake of the 2008 economic crisis. The Transnational Institute's website describes the initiative as multi-stakeholderism, a corporate push for a new form of global governments. WEF and the Common Project created the Common Trust Network, which developed the Common Pass app that's acting right now in parts of the world as a health passport. The app also uses to upload medical data such as COVID-19 test result or proof of injection, which then generates a simple little QR code that you show to authorities as your health passport. Just carry it around on your iPhone or your Android. Eventually, the Common Pass framework will be integrated with already existing personal health apps such as Apple Health and Common Health. If you want to travel, your personal health record will be evaluated and compared to whatever country you're going to, what their entry requirements are. And if you don't meet them, you'll be directed to a approved testing and vaccination location. The WEF, World Economic Forum, is pushing for the World Health Organization's collaboration in this project. Here's what they said. Rather than building a set of rules that would be left to the interpretation of member states or private sector operators like cruises and airlines or conveners of gatherings, we support the WHO's effort to create a standard for member states for requesting vaccinations and how it would permit the various kinds of uses. It is important that we rely on the normative body that's the WHO, they say, to create the vaccine credential requirements. The forum is involved in the WHO task force to reflect on those standards and think about how they would be used. This is already way down the road. This is not something that popped up into the air all of a sudden. And this is not a conspiracy theory, folks. It is a fact. Now, who are these people who constitute this group? You hear us talk about every January, Davos, Switzerland, and the Davos Summit. What that is, folks, Davos, it's a small city, and it's got an airport that is way too big for a small city anywhere. Why is that? Over 100 corporate jets every January from parts all over the world. Elites, I'm talking about multi-billionaires that feel like they are the endowed ones on planet Earth that should be in control of everything and everybody. Literally, folks, they meet. They have been for decades in Davos. And if you want to know who in the United States go to Davos, all of the big-time stars in Hollywood, all of the far-left Democrats in power in Congress, 
all of those that think that they have an unalienable right to look down their noses at everybody who's not in their crowd. Those are the people that are putting all of this together to try to force the world, not just America, but the world into compliance with all of this. And the WHO's involvement, come on now. That's the political leftist medical arm of the United Nations. This too is disturbing since the WHO's history clearly illustrates an allegiance to big pharma and other industries. A review in the Journal of Integrative Medicine and Therapy went so far as to say the corruption of WHO is the biggest threat to the world's public health of our time, particularly as it relates to WHO's drug recommendations, including its list of essential medicines, which it believes is biased and not reliable. Given the strong and ongoing evidence that WHO is heavily conflicted and controlled by industry, its usefulness as a guardian of public health and an arbiter of vaccine passports needs to be seriously reevaluated. So threats of punishment, like fines, have become increasingly common and accepted during the pandemic. Both Representative Roy and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia were fined for not wearing face masks on the House floor, for instance. The initial fine for first offense is 500 bucks, but since this was Greene's second offense, she was fined $2,500. That's just an example. In the UK, there's the NHS COVID app. That's right, they have an app which notifies you if you've been in close contact defined as within six feet for 15 minutes or more with someone who tested positive for COVID. If you don't self-isolate after being notified, you can be fined a thousand pounds. That's about $1,390 or even more. Other penalties are being rolled out for those who choose not to get the injection. On August 25th, Delta Airlines announced that unvaxxed employees who are on the company health plan will have a $200 monthly surcharge added beginning November 1st. It's yet another example of the injection-only mindset that has proliferated since the start of the pandemic. Meanwhile, here in the U.S. and much of the world, COVID is still being regarded as a disease that should only be treated once a person is hospitalized. Do you do realize That's the end goal. You go to quick care right now, if you have all the symptoms, any quick care, urgent care, their protocols are handed down. We don't know who is the arbiter of what the correct protocols in public health right now are to be. If you talk about the CDC, folks, it's becoming more evident day after day after day. The CDC is in the tank and Americans are realizing it and they're not trusting them, but they're the ones that push out the norms for public health care. At urgent care, they won't treat. They'll tell you if you go in. They can only treat symptoms. What does that mean? They won't get into the COVID-19 major treatments. They can only treat the symptoms, which means you won't get a prescription for hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or azithromycin or any of the drugs that have been out 
pharmacy products that have been out in the marketplace for decades in some cases and have been very effective, they won't prescribe that for you. They tell you, all we can do is treat your symptoms. And if you're serious, if you have a problem that doesn't fix with whatever we can do for your symptoms, go to the hospital. I'm serious, folks. Given the emergency use authorization, not approval, by the way, the Mass Jab Administration constituted a research trial. While the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 jab received FDA approval on August 23rd, it did not. Their Comartity drug got FDA full approval on August 23rd. That's another lie that is still being purveyed. The Comartity, the one that was approved by the FDA, it's not even on the market now. You can't get it. If you go to your doctor, if you go to one of these jab sites, to get a COVID jab and you want that Comarty, which is the Pfizer vaccine that has been fully approved by the FDA and asked for it, most of them will just look at you like you're smoking dope. We never even heard of it. It's not even out there. This is switch and bait stuff because the approval has Pfizer in it. Americans by the millions just think, oh, the Pfizer vaccine's been totally approved. It is not. The BioNTech COVID jab has not been approved yet for anything other than emergency use only. It's still under EUA authorization. And by the way, of all the adverse reactions that have been recorded, four to one deaths from vaccination adverse reactions or the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. Overall, Adverse reactions, 10 to 1 more from the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine than any other. It's quite possible this decision to penalize people for choosing to avoid getting an injection could be seen as a form of coercion. So let's wrap this up. What about that natural immunity thing? You know, that herd immunity thing that Dr. Fauci was touting all through the spring of 2020, when we were first finding out we got a real problem. Oh, we got to get infected. We got to have more people infected. We don't have a vaccine, but when more people get infected with a virus or some other kind of uh, infection, their natural immunities will take over. And if enough of it happens, enough people get it, herd immunity will come in. Natural immunity, which is the best thing. All of a sudden, when the vaccines hit the marketplace, no, 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 ho, 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 natural immunity doesn't work. Vaccines work. Vaccines work. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. In the month of September, this is a fact, folks. In the month of September in the UK, now who's in the, the UK? Let's, let's look at the list of nations that number in the UK. Countries in the UK, here we go. England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales. That's not just one or two. All of the UK, deaths, cause of death, COVID-19. All of them in September 
52% of the deaths in all of the UK combined, 52% were in fully vaccinated people. Did you get that? September, last month, all of the deaths, the COVID deaths in England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, 52% were among the fully vaccinated. You don't think something's up, folks? How can you threaten a person with fines or loss of employment to get an injection for a disease to which they're already immune? And that's happening, folks. People that have COVID-19, their bodies have created natural immunity. There are tests out there that prove it. Nobody at the federal government level will even talk about it. You don't think there's going to be a ton of lawsuits about this, especially since it's been shown that natural immunity may protect you better than a COVID injection. Data presented way back in July to the Israeli health ministry revealed that of the more than 7,700 COVID cases reported since May, only 72%, now this is in Israel, only 72 occurred in people who had previously had COVID-19. That's a rate of less than 1%. In contrast, more than 3,000 cases, or 40%, occurred in people who had already received a vaccine. And then what you just heard in the UK, 52% of the deaths, COVID deaths, in September came in fully vaccinated citizens of the United Kingdom. It's important to keep your eyes open. Resist the insidious removal of freedoms from society that's currently occurring. In their place are empty promises to give you your freedom back if you submit to an injection, a mask, a lockdown. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, for example, recently stated that vaccine passports are, his words, all about letting you know that if you're done If you've done the right things, you get to be safe wherever you go. And those who refuse to do the right thing, well, they simply aren't entitled to those same freedoms. The disease countermeasures we currently see for COVID-19 are not going to end with COVID-19. And fines for business owners who choose not to force their employees make a certain medical decision are only the beginning. We must not continue down this rabbit hole. Now is the time to speak out in peaceful protest in order to compel positive changes in support of health and overall freedom before we can't even talk about that. And and folks, we're headed down that road very, very quickly. If you weren't here day before yesterday, we talked about the recent update of the VAERS COVID vaccine adverse event reports that comes out every Friday, published by the CDC. Fauci won't even talk about it. He's never one time talked about this. It's on their website. We dig it out and present it. It comes out. It's published every Friday afternoon, and they want to do that, so it's buried in the weekend news cycle, and nobody will talk about it. No mainstream media will talk about this. Now, if you're new to the show, let me tell you quickly what it is. The VAERS 
vaccine report has been published weekly by the CDC since 1992. And what it does, it pulls together all of the different vaccinations that are out there. And every week, there are people that get vaccinated that have adverse reactions quickly and immediately, sometimes minutes later, sometimes it's three or four days, but it's directly in response to receiving a vaccination. We're not just talking about COVID. We're talking about mumps, measles, polio, all of them. Your kids get them when they're little, got to get them so they can go to school. And vaccine mandates and stuff like that, that's outside of COVID. That's a story for another day. We're not going to get in there. So they've been keeping these numbers since 92. All total before January 1st of this year, all total, there were a little over 1,900 deaths coming from adverse reactions to vaccinations of all kinds. All rolled in 1,900 and something. I think it's 30 or 26. It's in the low 1,900. Since January of this year, and you got to remember this, the CDC even says these adverse reaction numbers that they get are very, very low percentage-wise. They estimate the real numbers, the real stats that are, if they were all reported, would be on the low side, um, 30% higher, sometimes 60 to 80% higher than the reported numbers. But of the reported numbers since just January of this year, of adverse reactions to COVID-19 vaccinations, all of them rolled in, 16,766 people have died. 80,000 have been hospitalized. Another 90,000 have received urgent care. 124,000 doctor office visits. 7,300 anaphylaxis cases. 9,700 Bell's palsy. 2,500 miscarriages. 8,100 heart attacks. 9,400 myocarditis, pericarditis. 25,000 permanently disabled Americans from adverse reactions to COVID-19 vaccines. 3,700 thrombocytopenia, low blood platelet count cases. 18,000 other life-threatening adverse reactions. 32,000 severe allergic reactions. 9,472 cases of shingles. Those are facts. The vaccines are not what they have been telling us they are since even before January. So what are we supposed to do? What what are you supposed to do? I will not tell you what to do. I'm not going to do it. All I'm going to tell you is that I haven't been vaccinated purposely. My wife has not been vaccinated purposely. I think right before in December, of 2019, right before we even knew what COVID was, I got really sick. I went to Seattle for a long weekend, actually stayed in a hotel that's in the suburb of Seattle where the first reported cases and deaths of COVID-19 happened. Remember among that nursing retirement home facility where more than half of them got this thing and died? I spent three days and three nights in a hotel right down the street from that facility. I don't know if it's true. I think I had COVID-19. I got over it three or four days, 
And I think my body developed natural immunity. Why do you say that? My wife in last July, she got a really bad case of COVID-19 and she never gets sick, but she really got sick, tested positive. Um, Our doctor did the hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, zinc, and a few other um, natural items to treat them. And in three days, she was fine. Other people in our family, the same thing. So I think I have natural immunity. Um, I haven't been vaccinated, and I don't, I'm not going to be. And all of this other information that, for two reasons. Number one, it makes sense. But number two, because the government, the government has hidden from us all of these truths. And my mother, when I was growing up, she would tell me, I have a one older brother, three years and nine months older than me. And um, when you're a boy in the South, when you're a boy in the South of Louisiana, you're exposed to getting in, in a lot of things. I'm talking about not big trouble, but a lot of little trouble. And my brother had, being older than me, he obviously faced these kind of things way before I did. And I watched the way that he handled it, and I watched the way my mom and dad handled it with him. If he did something wrong, it's bad enough. If he got caught, he was going to pay a price. But if he did something wrong and lied about it, he's going to pay a bigger price probably a worse price than he would have paid otherwise. I think the government is putting Americans in the same situation right now. They tell us this, so-called experts that are in this thing for one reason and one reason only, to help us Americans stay healthy, stay alive. And then when we find out, it starts happening, rolled out every week or so. What they told us wasn't true. They told us this. It wasn't true. They told us this. It wasn't true. And now we're at a point where it is very obvious the reason we're being told these things that we find out later are lies is for purpose. It's for a cause. And as we reach out and lift up the veil a little bit and we see what that cause might be, we become horrified and fearful. I'm not going to let fear rule my life. I'm not going to do that. Even if I haven't had COVID and I get COVID-19, I think I'm going to be okay. I have a confirmation that I know how to handle it if it happens to me, when it happens to me, and I'll handle it immediately, and I'm going to be okay because there are ways to beat this thing, and it has nothing to do with the vaccine. Folks, 52% of people in the UK who died from COVID in September this year were fully vaccinated. There's a whole lot they're not telling us. And unless and until I get all those facts, I'm sitting right where I am. I'm not going down that road. I'm not going down that road at all. I'm going to be fine. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. 
Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old-age six cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax, extra, drinks, excludes, freezes. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. Yeah, we're digging into that truth thing. We're going to hold on to the truth. We'll tell you about the other stuff and trust you to make the right choices for you and your family. Those that are important in your lives, trust you. That's a little different from uh, this administration. They really don't trust us to make any decisions on our own. And so now they feel like they have some kind of right to force us to do things and make choices, even those that we don't want or think are best for us. That just pretty much obliterates everything (laughs) in our founding fathers' uh, thoughts, ideas, as expressed in our Declaration of Independence, also in the U.S. Constitution, Americans have the right to make those choices, and we're going to continue to make them. We're not going to cave and let the oppressors come in here and tell us what's best for us. Come on now. These are people that really are messed up in many ways in their lives. How could we ever voluntarily just say, okay, I'm going to do it, just because you said that's the thing we should do? So let's just switch gears. Have you really paid attention to what's going on in this supply chain thing? I mean, this thing's getting out of hand, folks. I mean, from Christmas toys to clothing, auto parts, shortages of imported products are forcing factories to just go dark. Store shelves. Um, when we went to Texas, my wife and I, for this medical procedure, we went to one of the chain stores, big, big chain in Texas, H-E-B, big grocery store and walked in there looking for something specific. Folks, this is late in the afternoon, maybe early evening. Their shelves were empty. I mean, you walk down a bread aisle, there's like two or three loaves of bread in places where there would normally be a couple of hundred. Everything was like that. What else is in short supply? (laughs) I'll tell you the truth about what's causing all this. President Biden, who brags about running the most pro-union administration ever, he won't admit that 
listen to what I'm about to tell you. Longshoremen's unions are the ones that are holding us all hostage. They're refusing to allow the use of automated equipment to unload container ships and get the goods onto trucks faster. Now, over the last day and a half, I spent, let's see, four and a half hours on Interstate 20 and I-35 that goes from Dallas-Fort Worth South to Central and Southern Texas. Major thoroughfares. I cannot tell you how many 18-wheelers we saw, we passed, were coming from a, a, toward us and the op- going the opposite direction. I've never seen it like it is. I mean, nonstop, total. And we were in the car for almost five hours watching it. Folks, the trucks are moving, but the longshoremen at Long Beach, Los Angeles, Houston, New Orleans, and up and down the East Coast, President Biden's, one of his biggest campaign contributing entities, the longshoremen's unions, or refusing to allow the use of automated equipment to unload the container ships to get the goods onto these trucks that are rolling faster. Now let's put that in context. The U.S. is the number one importer on the planet. But its major ports at Los Angeles and Long Beach rank a dismal 328 and 333 of all ports in the world, respectively, in the World Bank's Container Port Performance Index. That means nightmare in efficiency, worse than most other developing countries. Not one U.S. port made it into the top 50 for speed and efficiency. In contrast, Japan's Yokohama port ranked number one in the world. Nearly 100 container ships have been waiting off the Los Angeles coastline to be unloaded. More than 100. The longer they wait, the more prices for imported goods go up, clobbering consumers. Wednesday of last week, Biden announced a game changer, he said, saying the ports of L.A. and Long Beach would stay open more hours for a 90-day sprint all the way to Christmas. Truth is, Most ports around the world operate 24-7, including those two. Port operators here haven't done that in the past because union contracts require paying higher hourly rates for night and weekend labor. Dock worker salaries already, listen to what they average. You work on the docks in L.A. and Long Beach, their pay averages $171,000 a year. Wednesday's announcement by Joe was a concession from port operators, not the unions. But increased hours won't fix the bottlenecks. The added hours will boost cargo movement by less than 10%, or an estimated 3,500 containers a week. That's all. The real problem? The union's tooth-and-nail opposition to labor-saving equipment. Cranes and automated ports operate at least twice as fast as cranes in outdated U.S. ports. Biden's port envoy, John Percari, 
let the truth out when he said last week, it's, quote, your grandfather's infrastructure that we're working with. And, of course, unions won't have it in any other way. The International Longshoremen's Association contract, which is extended now to 2024, blocks the use of automation technology. Totally, folks. Willie Adams, president of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union, which represents West Coast workers, says automated cargo handling equipment will not be tolerated. Now, here's the biggest lie, and it comes straight from the guy at the top, the one that knows everything about transportation, the secretary, Pete Buttigieg. He went on parental leave in August, ignoring the worsening supply crisis, but he came out, came out of diaper duty long enough on Sunday to shovel some grown-up manure. Buttigieg said dysfunctional ports are, quote, one more example of why we need to pass the infrastructure bill. In truth, the $17 billion for ports in the infrastructure bill is mostly for emissions reductions, repairs, and dredging. Nothing is allocated for labor-saving automation, not a dime. In fact, Section 3102 of Biden's Build Back Better bill expressly prohibits the use of funds provided there to be used for automation. No surprise. Build Back Better is crammed with pro-union favors from top to bottom, including an extra $4,500 sweetener available only to consumers who buy a union-made electric vehicle and a whopping $14,000 tax credit to homeowners who install energy-saving devices and electrical equipment, provided the contractor doing the job is unionized. Otherwise, zip, nada. Organized labor is spending millions in advertising to get the bill passed. Biden is bought, paid for, and controlled by the unions. 98.8% of union money spent on the 2020 presidential contest went to Biden. And now, it's quid pro quo time. Quid pro Joe. The media, of course, is hiding it all. Last week, a Washington Post news story claimed voters blame presidents for all sorts of pocketbook problems that presidents can't fix. Biden could take action, but he won't. Despite pushing for trillions in new spending, Biden is choosing not to automate American ports. He's kowtowing to his union backers. That means keeping America's ports dysfunctional. And it's a drag on our overall economy, and it's why Christmas may not come on the 25th of December at your house. There are many causes for the current supply shortages. Too few truckers to shutdowns in Asia due to COVID. But one of these problems is fixable, our obsolete ports. And all that has to happen is the president, whoever is president. If the president has the will to act and do stuff. And this guy, he's proving he's not going to do it. So how did they respond to all this news that came out over the last 48 hours? Well, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki She was asked by New York Times reporter Michael Scheer about the shipping delays for products like dishwashers and furniture and treadmills and 
why Biden acted slowly to solve known problems in the supply chain. The tragedy of the treadmill that's delayed. That was Saki's reply, obviously very sarcastically. So Scheer asked why Biden failed to act sooner. Saki argued there were a number of reasons for shipping problems, citing more online shopping as one of the causes, despite President Biden's attempts to fix the problems. Online shopping, folks, that stuff you buy online, it's got to be sorted, it's got to be put on shelves at wherever you order it in the first place, it's got to be taken off the shelves and processed and put on trucks to deliver. More people are buying more goods, she said. People have started to buy things online rather than going into stores. Duh! That is also impacting the volume, and there's a need for more. I think the important thing to understand here is that there are multiple issues. Over 100 ships continued waiting in L.A. and Long Beach. And during his speech about all this, Biden blamed private business for not paying more to get the products offloaded and shipped. We need major retailers who order the goods and the freight movers who take the goods from these ships to factories and to stores to step up as well, he said, warning that if the private sector doesn't step up, we're going to call them out and make them act. Meanwhile, his big backers, the unions, they get their way. No automation. Forget about, screw the American people that are waiting for all of these essentials and can't get them because this guy in the White House won't act. Hmm. And the story goes on and on and on. Seems like an attempt to distant President Biden from the supply chain crisis to help him out. The Washington Post, which, by the way, is owned by who? Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world. And, oh, by the way, Also, Amazon, which is the biggest online retailer in the nation. He published an op-ed in his paper, the Washington Post, on Monday, telling American consumers to lower expectations. Said this way, rather than living constantly on the verge of throwing a fit, and risking taking it out on overwhelmed servers, struggling shop owners, and late-arriving delivery people, we do ourselves a favor by consciously lowering expectations. That was actually, it came in Jeff Bezos' newspaper, the Washington Post, but it was written by editor Micheline Maynard from the Post. Maynard, who repeatedly used language comparing Americans to fussy toddlers. The first assertion was that Frederick Taylor's The Principles of Scientific Management never took into account the havoc a pandemic might do to supply chains. Following the typically accepted diction of far-left media, Maynard notably credited the disembodied pandemic for supply chain woes rather than properly assigning blame to world governments that shut down economies, caused mass unemployment and disruptions in a largely failed effort to stop the spread. She then argued Americans' expectations for speedy service should be replaced by more realistic expectations 
before quoting an Atlantic article in which a writer asserts that American shoppers have been trained to be nightmares. Notably, the Atlantic is also owned by Steve Jobs' widow, Laureen Powell Jobs, who funds shady leftist activism not just here but around the world. Maynard quoted the author, The pandemic has shown just how desperately the consumer class clings to the feeling of being served. Can you see this thing just builds and it grows and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger? It's that, it's that dragon. It's that swamp creature. Our version of it resides in Washington. Remember when Donald Trump was running for the first time? He talked about draining the swamp. The big swamp dragon, the monster, it just keeps getting fed and fed and fed and getting bigger and more powerful and stronger. This is the kind of stuff, this drivel coming from the Atlantic and the Washington Post, owned by one of the richest men on planet Earth, Jeff Bezos. So what's the maybe fix the White House has for this? Listen, they've got one. They are reportedly weighing whether to deploy the National Guard in an effort to confront the ever-growing supply chain crisis. Again, the Washington Post. White House officials have explored in recent weeks whether the National Guard could be deployed to help address the nation's mounting supply chain backlog Three people with knowledge. That's what the Post gave as their source of that information. They described the deliberations as being reflecting an extent to which internal administration deliberations about the America's overwhelmingly overwhelmed supply chain have sparked outside-the-box proposals to leverage government resources to address this issue. The report noted that, quote, a person with knowledge of the deliberations suggested deploying the National Guard is one option the White House could implement. A second option would reportedly be to work through states to deploy service members. It's unknown how this National Guard thing would work given the operational logistics of the magnitude of the supply chain. I mean, we're not talking about one spot or two or three or four. We're talking about dozens and dozens and dozens. Let me just say this. It ain't going to work. It won't work. It would be a temporary fix that would not be good because you would be putting people that have no training, no expertise in any of these areas. It would create Pandora's box. Novel idea. Why don't you just shut up and open up the ports? Give them the green light. Overrule the unions and turn those ports on, including all of the automated equipment to unload these containers from these ships rather than waiting on Big Bob and his buddies. The Industrial Revolution was for what? It was to revolutionize industry. The biggest thing that came out of the Industrial Revolution was new creations that made it easier to do more, less stressful on people, using machinery that people invented 
like automation at all of our ports. This one is just freaking ridiculous. There is no justification for this. I can tell you, if for no other reason this president should be impeached because he, for political payback, not even trying to hide it, is allowing contributors, the labor unions, to cause and perpetuate the supply chain problem when he could resolve it by ordering the unions and the union workers to step to the side and let the automation that is capable of getting this supply chain fixed in a much shorter period of time. Just do the right thing, Uncle Joe. Do the right thing. There's a, there's so much stuff going on. Coming out of D.C., I, I mean, every day, folks, it's, it's, like, um, it's like a soap opera. Every day when you hear stuff, this president saying, Jen Psaki in the White House, leaders around the nation, mayors, district attorneys, officials at the state and local level, just doing and saying the stupidest things. And Americans are scratching their heads. We're trying to figure out where are these people coming from? Who are they listening to for this? Even folks in other countries are saying these same things. We often refer to our friends at Sky News down there. It's a um, broadcast television network in Australia, New Zealand. Really good network. Uh, They have a cornucopia of all of the political perspectives that are on air there. It's not an in-your-tank conservative network. They have far left, they have middle of the road and far right, and everything in between. And so yesterday, one of their anchors went up and kind of analyzed our president and where he is. Let's check in with old mate Joe Biden. And this week, the US president, the leader of the free world, was angry. Old man yelling at clouds angry. We had fewer democracies in the world today than we did 15 years ago. Fewer. Not more. Fewer. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Joe, just calm down. I think we'd all feel better if the dude with the nuclear codes wasn't prone to wild and unexplained bouts of anger. So it was almost a relief to see incoherent whispering Joe make an appearance. Keep it in the I mean that sincerely. No one knows why he does that. But let's go back to angry Joe yelling at clouds. I want them to see the ability of a human mind to rationalize cannot be underestimated. Yes, he's completely fine, folks. 81 million votes, cognitively sound and up to the job. That's what a bunch of people overseas think about our leader. Hmm. Not so good right now. And, I mean, it's not just in the method and the way he communicates to Americans. It's a simple fact that Joe's not all there. And more and more people are realizing it, far more that will admit it right now. I mean, even there are a bunch of Democrats that are saying, look, this thing is crazy. 
We've got horrors, even more information coming out about stuff at the southern border we'll get into in uh, just a little bit. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas confirmed COVID positive. I wonder which test he used. <laughs> oh, that, you know, there's just so much stuff going on. We're going to take our second break. When we come back, we're going to get into this stuff. And if you think the first hour you heard some egregious craziness, <laughs> just stick around. We got more than that for you. Back after this at TNN Live. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes! Cool. You okay with this? And this? Yes. And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. While all of this craziness is going on, we can't forget there's a lot of normal government business that happens every day. And if it's not uh, something that sounds good and can be a anti-conservative story, mainstream media won't even talk about it. Want an example or two? What about we still have a bunch of Biden nominees for some very serious posts in his administration that are appearing daily in front of um, several different committees in the United States Senate where every appointee by any president goes and has to be confirmed before they can get the gig. And um, Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, Republican, very, very smart attorney, a very conservative guy, and he's always somebody that is always willing when he questions an appointee of any administration, not just this one, but uh, 
to get to the truth about what people think about some of the things they've said in the past and some of the things they do. One caught my attention, and I wanted you to hear this back and forth between one of those nominees and Senator Josh Hawley. This one's about specifically questioning this person's religious views based on some of the things that they have said and written. Remember that social media thing? Listen closely to this. This may blow your mind. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Thanks to the nominees for being here. You know, we've heard from a lot of nominees who've come before this committee from this administration a lot about equity and about fairness being top priorities in today's DOD. But I have to say, that just doesn't seem to bear out to be the facts. And Ms. Fulton, your nomination is a perfect example of it. What we've actually seen is targeting political opponents, targeting people who the administration doesn't agree with, trying to silence folks who they don't like. Clearly, it's a priority for this administration because they've been focused on that rather than doing things like, oh, I don't know, managing the evacuation from Afghanistan, where we have, let me remind this committee yet again, 13 service members dead, hundreds of civilians dead, potentially thousands of Americans left behind enemy lines. Why? Because the DOD is focused on their radical left agenda rather than on actually saving Americans and doing their jobs. Now, Ms. Fulton, I'm, I'm, I'm astounded, frankly, that you've been nominated. And listen, you're entitled to have whatever views you want. Look, I'm a constitutional lawyer. I'm actually a religious liberty lawyer by training. Your faith is your faith. Your views are your views. You can say whatever the heck you want. This is the United States of America. But you're asking to be appointed to a very important position in the DOD, Let me come back to some of these statements that you made. Uh, Religious freedom is twisted to mean conservative Christians can dictate their beliefs to the rest of us. Hashtag Hobby Lobby. Repeal RIFRA. When did you change your view on RIFRA? You told Senator Cotton you're not in favor of repealing it. You were on June 30th, 2014. When did you change your mind? I couldn't tell you exactly, Senator. Why did you change your mind? I couldn't tell you exactly, Senator. You're choosing not to tell me, or you don't want to engage, or you don't like this line of questioning, or you don't think you need to be responsive? Oh, I'm sorry, Senator. Of course, I I do mean to be responsive. Um, I don't recall the details of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and I want to be clear that I support religious freedom. I support the rights of our troops and our civilian employees uh, to their religious freedom, to the entire extent that the law allows within their employment in the Department of Defense. And I support that in every way as a, yes, sir. Why is it that you think that the vast majority of of white evangelical leaders are utterly unmoored from the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can you explain that to me? Senator, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have had differences of opinion um, from people who um, uh, don't believe in in full equality for all. Um, But I will say it is wrong. It was wrong for me in that, that moment. And I believe it is always wrong to tarnish an entire group of people with the beliefs or actions of one or a few. And for that, I apologize. You said that uh, if getting a Supreme Court judge who'd outlaw abortion makes all of this worth it to you, referring to evangelicals, your religion has nothing to do with Jesus. You also say 86% of those who consider themselves 
white evangelicals support Trump. So which part of it is disqualifies these people as Christians? Is it that they are opposed to abortion or they supported Trump or both? Help me understand your thinking. I'm so sorry, Senator. Could you read that again? I'm sorry. Uh huh. On, on September 4th, you said, 2017, 86% of those who consider themselves white evangelicals support Trump. You said uh, in the same tweet thread, if getting a Supreme Court judge who'd outlaw abortion makes all this worth it to you, your religion has nothing to do with Jesus. So is it because they supported Trump that they're not followers of Jesus, or is it because they oppose abortion? Is it both? I'm trying to, Senator, I'm trying to put myself back in that moment. I know there were several points at which I felt that the president had, had made statements or taken actions that I felt were in direct contradiction with the way that I understand Jesus' teaching, and I'm expecting that I was reacting to that. Um, and uh, again, I don't believe we should ever tarnish a whole group of people for the actions of one. Do you think that it's your position to to tell people when they are and aren't followers of Christ or truly Christians no, or not just because they disagree with you? I understand you disagree with these folks, but saying over and over that they're not followers of Jesus. You cited Matthew 23 on August 29th, 2017. When you said the vast majority of white evangelical leaders are utterly unmoored from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 23 applies. You remember what you meant by that? Maybe a reference to the brood of vipers. It's Matthew 23. Yes, Senator. Um, Senator, none of none of what I would have none of what I've ever expressed on social media was intended to silence others. I believe there's a free expression of beliefs there, but I do believe that I apologize for statements at any time when I tarnished a whole group of people for the actions or statements of one or a few. And well, it was clearly meant to denigrate others. Listen, my time has expired. I just have to say, Ms. Fulton, it's not one statement. It's multiple statements over multiple years, running from 2014 through 2018. I mean, years. There's just, I mean, there's pages and pages of these statements, all directed at a particular group of people for whom you appear to have quite a significant amount of animus. You'd be expected to oversee many of these folks in the Department of Defense. I mean, that's, that's not fairness. That's not equity. That's targeting. And for those reasons, among others, I, I can't support your nomination. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This this is not an exception from a nominee to serve in any of these very important positions during the Biden administration. I mean, this position is the D- Department of Defense. And you heard this, this woman that Joe Biden thinks um, expressly represents America, the United States, the Constitution, and everything rolled in and all of our people in her thinking. And you heard what she said. If, if you've been with us in the past and you hear some of the other segments of these confirmation hearing t- uh, testimonies, Q&A that we play from Biden nominees, you scratch your head thinking, who the heck thinks like this? And why would any president or anybody in government think that having a person in a very important decision-making process representing the American people every day would fit into that mold and be nonpartisan and represent the ideals espoused in the U.S. Constitution, which would be a requirement that they would have to swear an oath to to even get that position if they were confirmed. 
And that kind of diatribe is okay with Joe Biden? Yeah, it is. You heard her say over and over again, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. I didn't mean any whatever. Let me just refer to that age-old reference that uh, it's always good to go back to when you have a question about anything. You know, the Bible. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, folks, today's lingo is you say what you mean. You say what you think. You speak what you feel inside. And when she wrote all those things and said all those things, obviously she felt those ways from the abundance. In other words, all the stuff that's inside of us, that's what we talk about. Normalizing all of this. Is it really being normalized in the United States? Come on now. I, 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 maybe it's because I live in the South. Maybe it's because I've been a Christian and I've been a church guy my entire life. I mean, I love church. We never miss church. Our kids love church. I just have always felt there's, there's a camaraderie and an atmosphere that's positive where, yeah, everybody screws up and makes mistakes, but Church people in large feel like everybody's going to mess up, but everybody has a path to get forgiveness for the mistakes that we make. And it doesn't weaponize mistakes that we make to be used by others against us. That's the environment that is being pervaded in our nation today that scares the snot out of me, folks. Because we can't live as a free nation under those circumstances. Nobody can do we really want to go back to the same type of uh, government-people relationship that our forefathers fled northern Europe to get away from and establish this nation, where there were clearly at least two classes of people had been for decades and centuries over there where nobody that didn't belong in the top whatever, two, three, four percent, of the people that were in control, nobody else could even make a decision about anything? Is that what these leaders, these Democrat far leftists, they have the guts to call themselves progressives? None of what they espouse in any way is progressive by any definition. It's not. And it certainly isn't referenced that way in our founding documents. That's an example of what's going on in this administration that more and more Americans, way more than half, are saying, Joe, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. So let's do a fast forward. Let's get back onto this COVID thing. You remember Dr. Robert Redfield. He was the CDC director until, I guess, a couple of months ago. He came out yesterday and he said more than 40% of people who have recently died from COVID-19 in the state of Maryland, more than 40% were fully vaccinated. He worded it this way. A lot of times people may feel it's a rare event that fully vaxxed people die. I happen to be the senior advisor to Governor Hogan in the state of Maryland. In the last six to eight weeks, more than 40% of people who died in Maryland were fully vaccinated. At the time of his death from virus complications, General Colin Powell was also fighting a blood cancer that lowers the ability to stave off infection. 
According to Maryland Department of Health, 66% of adults in the state are fully vaxxed. Those are the facts out of Colin Powell's and what's going on in the state of Maryland. Now, Redfield served as CDC director under President Trump, currently works as an advisor for Maryland's Republican governor, Larry Hogan. His comments came as the Biden folks continue to push for booster shots and while the FDA works to approve mixing boosters from different companies. They just keep doubling down on stupid. Here's something from the Wall Street Journal that kind of confirms that. The FDA is moving to soon allow, it says, to allow people to receive booster shots that are different from their first vaccine doses. The FDA won't recommend any booster over the others, but will permit people to get a booster shot that is different from the shot they first received. The FDA is seeking to authorize mixing and matching as soon as this week, folks. Can you believe that? They're expected to approve Moderna and J&J's boosters this week as well. They, at the FDA, they've even changed the entire process that's been in place for approval of any medical procedure or any medicine. It's been that way for decades and decades and decades. All kinds of intense laboratory testing has to go on with multiple different types of human trials. And then it comes before an FDA committee with full disclosure as it's happening to the American people before any approval would even be considered. Normally takes years and years. We're months and months into this. We've looked at the adverse reactions that millions of Americans are facing, many of them death, at the hands of these vaccines, and the FDA is pushing for more and more and more. That ought to raise the questions among everybody. And then there's Fox News host Neil Cavuto. You see him, he's a business guy. He has a regular show in the afternoon on Fox News. He's been open in the past about his personal health struggles. He's got MS, multiple sclerosis. And it was announced yesterday he's tested positive for COVID despite being fully vaccinated. Here's what he said in a release. He he wasn't on air yesterday, but he released this. While I'm somewhat stunned by the news, Doctors tell me I'm lucky as well. Had I not been vaccinated and with all my medical issues, this would be a far more dire situation. It's not because I did, and I'm surviving this because I did. I hope anyone and everyone gets the message loud and clear. Get vaccinated for yourself and for everyone around you. This is Neil Cavuto saying this. Everyone wins except maybe my wife, who thought I was back in the city for good and live shows maybe not so fast now. Cavuto's diagnosis comes the same day CNN's John King revealed on the air that he also has multiple sclerosis, saying he was grateful his panel was vaccinated given that he is immunocompromised. So even the big-time folks, even the conservatives, and Neil Cavuto is technically a conservative, but he's obviously pro-vaccination, and he's got his opinion, and that's great. I think everybody should be able to make their decisions about anything regarding their personal health, make those decisions on their own. Base it upon their thoughts, what their medical 
guidance gives them and tells them they should and should not do, the government should not be coming in and willy-nilly with no consideration for any individual condition, status, thoughts, religious perspectives, and tell people what they must do. I'm sick and tired of that. That's not right. And to be honest with you folks, it's not what living in America is all about. We're better than that. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah! Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. Sugar bites. Protect your kids. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Every day, right here. Our goal, our objective, our single duty is to ferret out the facts. Throw away the bad stuff. Keep the good stuff and pass it along to you. But we don't expect you to swallow it hook, line, and sinker just because we say it, folks. Confirm it yourselves. Do some digging. Find facts. Get reality. And then make good decisions for yourself. So what about this southern border thing? Man, we're not hearing much about it at all, are we? And so it must be going okay. Everything must be running smoothly down there. We told you about DHS Secretary Mayorkas confirmed positive for COVID-19, and I don't even want to go into all the people that he's exposed in his life if it is transmitted like they want us to believe. He's exposed a lot of folks, but that's never a big deal in the Department of Homeland Security, at least not under this secretary, Mayorkas. COVID-19 doesn't matter. Why do you say that, Dan? Well, you know why. I mean, he's importing 
thousands, almost two million immigrants since the first of the year have showed up at our southern border. Hardly any of them tested. And most of them that actually are tested aren't tested by the DHS or ICE. They're tested by NGOs, non-government organizations, to which many of these immigrants are turned over by Border Patrol and uh, found out later after the fact they had COVID-19. No thoughts to what is happening to those around them while they're coming through the immigration process by the DHS. Well, the top Republican appropriator in the Senate now says GOP senators are going to try to block the Democrats' one-sided agency spending bill for 2022. Now listen to this. If Democrats won't full-year appropriations bills, they must abandon their go-it-alone strategy and come to the table to negotiate. That comes from Richard Shelby. He's a Republican from Alabama. He is the senior Republican on the Senate Committee on Appropriations. In other words, if his committee doesn't approve dollar stuff that comes across from the U.S. House of Representatives for spending, it's not going to be done. A successful appropriations process rests on trust and bipartisan cooperation like we had in recent years under the Shelby Leahy framework. Regrettably, that no longer exists. So there was a draft budget released Monday by Democrats prior to a vote in that committee. The Democrats' power grab is very unusual because legislators who sit on the appropriations panels are usually eager to trade spending favors instead of pushing ideological goals. The Homeland Security portion of a bill, it's it, it's big. I mean, let's face it, it takes a lot of money to run all of the Homeland Security operations. A big portion of this bill would redirect unspent border wall funds to a different agency. Remember this, Congress approved building the Southern Wall and appropriated money during the Trump administration. Congress did, even Democrats did, appropriated money directly for building the wall and Joe Biden and his administration is violating constitutional law by not doing it. Nobody wants to talk about that. According to analysis of this bill, it would tangle ICE in new rules that would also give pro-immigrant activists a veto over the enforcement of the nation's popular immigration laws. And it would expand legal immigration with the claim that green cards were supposedly wasted by former President Trump. Biden stopped construction of the border wall in January immediately upon taking his oath of office, leaving wide gaps where these illegals have walked through despite 2021 directions from Congress to build, finish the wall. At least 800,000 working age wage-cutting migrants have been allowed into the United States since Joe Biden became president. Now, that's the ones that we know about. How many more were not even accosted when they came across? It's pretty sure it's more than a million additional ones. The drug cartels are smuggling a rising flood of debilitating drugs into our 
communities all across the U.S. The Democrats claim to be saving wasted green cards. Now, what's that all about? Well, it's an effort to boost legal immigration. That's according to Rosemary Jinks, as Director of Government Relations for Numbers USA. Every visa is used, period, full stop, she said, because the relevant law was written by Senator Ted Kennedy to minimize the number of unclaimed green cards. If there are unused employment-based visas in a fiscal year, she said, they automatically roll over to the family-based category for the next year. If there are unused family-based visas in one fiscal year, they automatically roll over to the employment-based category. That was the whole plan that Congress passed when Kennedy was still in the Senate. The plan seeks to award more green green cards without any public debate. If increasing legal immigration was so popular, you wouldn't have to hide it in a legislative maze. The bill would increase legal immigration by roughly a quarter of a million more green cards, according to the Cato Institute. Now think about that. We got a couple of million already since January that are here, illegals. Many of them, according to this story, 800,000 released around the country. The others, we don't even know who they are, when they came in, or where they are. We know a lot of them are criminal. A lot of them have criminal backgrounds, some of it here, much of it in countries that they come from, and reportedly over 161 nations on the planet have sent illegals of all kinds, nationalities, ethnicities, criminal status, citizenship status, all of it unknown to us, medical status, 161 different nations during the Biden administration. Wow. And then we heard rumors about airplanes flying from the southern border to towns and cities all across the nation in the wee hours of the morning, carrying these illegals and doing it, going to these towns and cities without giving city officials any knowledge, any heads up, no plans. And nobody will even talk about it. Well, now the Biden administration has become busted over this. Last week, Washington Post reporters, they saw two planes land at the Westchester County Airport just outside of Manhattan, from which mainly children and teenagers and some in their 20s got off these planes. The flights arrived at 2.49 in the morning on Wednesday, 11.52 on Friday night, guarded by police officers who escorted the immigrants to get on buses. Reporters followed the buses as they claimed some met with New Jersey sponsors who went to Long Island facilities The Post report includes photos of the plane and buses arriving at different facilities. So, what does a good, a real good reporting outlet do? The New York Post reviewed flight records and estimated that since August 8th of this year, at least 2,000 illegal immigrants were flown on 21 different flights. That's just to New York. Now, think about that 2,000 illegals but on 21 flights. Do you have any idea what it costs on a commercial jetliner, one that's in charter service, one that you normally would get on to fly a commercial flight on? You know, they're big. They hold hundreds of people. 
Let me give you an idea of what it costs to fly one of those. Um, in the day when I had a uh, professional football team, the Arena Football League, we flew commercially a lot, and a couple of times when commercial flights were really uh, unreasonable, we reached out to make some calls to find out what it would cost to fly our team commercially, uh, not commercially, but on a charter flight out of New Orleans to points around the country. Just give you an example. To fly from um, New Orleans to, uh, let's say, um, let me think, let me think, Pittsburgh. Charter flight to take you up there and to come back. hundred grand. A hundred grand. In other words, it ain't cheap. Who pays all these fees for these charter flights secretly in the middle of the night going to points unknown around the nation? We do. The most recent figures from U.S. Customs and Border Protection show that 37,805 unaccompanied minors were apprehended entering the U.S. during July and August alone. 37,000. According to sources who are part of this operation, this sinister in-the-night operation, these parentless kids are being bused to the Bronx, to Brooklyn, to Queens, upstate Newburgh and Bridgeport, Connecticut, and Danbury. As confirmed by the New York Post, one of the destinations for the kids is Mercy First, that's a Catholic nun's home located in Syosset, Long Island, which provides housing and services to children and adolescents who are victims of social problems. Mercy First contracts with the federal government to provide residential services to young immigrants. Similar scenes occurred, guess where? Jacksonville, Florida. Commercial airliner flights from Texas landed and were transported to Twin Oaks Academy, a juvenile detention center in the Apalachicola National Forest near Tallahassee. Florida Governor DeSantis reacted to the reports by criticizing the Fed's lack of transparency. Christina Pushaw, a spokesman for the governor, said, if the Biden administration is so confident that their open border policy is good for our country, why the secrecy? Why is the Biden administration refusing to share even the most basic information about illegal alien resettlement in communities throughout our state and the entire country? You can answer that. You hide stuff if you think it's going to make you look bad. The Post report includes the account of one woman who lives across the street from the airport. She said her eight-month-old baby has been waking up in the wee hours of the morning between 2, 3, and 4 a.m. because of airplane noises. I got used to the regular airport noise, but these planes or jets sound different, lower, more bass, and they're coming, every one of them, in the middle of the night. Former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino, who's a Republican candidate for governor, said he learned about the flights from citizens upset about the voluntary curfew violations. Now, this is in New York. The Biden administration is systematically spreading the southern border crisis to communities all around the country, often shrouded in secrecy and under the cloak of darkness. So what about the White House? Well, they stated the flights are part of the normal procedure for the Department of Health and Human Services to ensure the care of children without parents until they're found homes or reunited with their families. 
So, to make things a lot clearer, Fox News' Peter Ducey yesterday in a White House media briefing with the brain surgeon of all brain surgeons in government, Jen Psaki, had a little back and forth with Peter Ducey. Yep, go ahead, Peter. Thank you, Jen. Why is the administration flying thousands of migrants from the border to Florida and New York in the middle of the night? Uh, well, I'm not sure that it's in the middle of the night, but let me tell you what's happening here. Um, it is our 4:29 a.m. Well, he, very he, early in the morning. Here we are talking about it. early flights, earlier than you might like to take a flight. Um, it is our legal responsibility to safely care for unaccompanied children until they swiftly can be swiftly unified with a parent or a vetted sponsor, and that's something we take seriously. We have a moral, a right obligation to uh, com- to do that and to deliver on that. As a part of the unification process, our office of Refugee Resettlement facilitates travel for children in its custody to their families or sponsors across the country. So in recent weeks, uh, unaccompanied children pass through the Westchester Airport, which I think is what you're referring to, en route to their final destination to be unified with their parents or vetted sponsor. It's no surprise uh, that kids can be seen traveling through states, uh, not just New York. It's something that we're also working to unite children with their family members or vetted sponsors in other parts of the country as well. Okay, uh, to follow up on some of the tax talk, there's this new proposal by Democrats in Congress and the Treasury Secretary to start monitoring every bank account that has $10,000 of cash flow per year. So is the plan to catch billionaire tax cheats by snooping on accounts that just have $10,000 in them? Well, that's not exactly an accurate description. So let me help you with an accurate description of what is actually happening here. And there was a statement by the Secretary of Treasury on exactly this. Uh, where she said in this statement, so just to reiterate, she deeply appreciates the work of Chairman Wyden and Chairman Neal's leadership on reconciliation and in particular the need to close the tax gap. At the core of the discrepancy in the ways types of income are reported to the IRS are opaque income sources frequently av- which avoid frequently avoid scrutiny while wages and federal benefits are typically subject to full compliance. So people who get W-2s, whether they are teachers, firefighters, employees at Fox News, anywhere where they maybe getting a double W-2, that's not what we're talking about here. They're already reporting their income. We're talking about high net worth individuals who are not paying the taxes they owe, and that's what this uh, policy would propose to address. But in the statement that you just cited, it says many top earners avoid paying billions in the taxes that they owe by exploiting the system. So what? Uh, why is it that you need to start looking at accounts that just have $10,000 in it? Maybe somebody doesn't get a W-2. That is that is not exactly what it does. The $10,000 is the anything under that would not be applicable, nor would people who receive W-2s, Peter. What we're talking about here are people who are high net worth individuals who are not paying the taxes they owe, something we think everybody believes should happen and can help pay for uh, in a range of important investments to make us more competitive. And then just one on vaccine requirements. If the whole point of a vaccine mandate is to make people safer, But a vaccine mandate also means tons of police and military may walk off the job. Then at the end of the day, does a vaccine mandate make people safe? Well, where are tons of police and military walking off the job? Well, the Washington Post says that hundreds of thousands of U.S. service members remain unvaccinated, uh, which is leading to questions about possible military readiness. Uh, The L.A. County Sheriff says that 5 to 10 percent of their workforce could walk off the job. And so considering the, I mean, 
Is there any concern about that? Well, I would say what we point to or what I would point you to is evidence with uh, a range of companies, organizations. Frankly, the Department of Defense can also give you the up-to-date statistics on members of the military. I believe it's over 90 percent, but I would point you them for statistics. But there are other problems in the world than COVID-19. International terror, gang violence, murder, arson, drug what, dealing. What was, Is there any what, concern what about was the high, what was things? the What was the number one cause of death among police officers last year? Do you know? COVID-19. So that's something that we're working to address. And police departments are working to address. If you look at Seattle as an example, which I know has been in some of the reporting, 92% of the police force is vaccinated, as are 93% of firefighters. 99% of Seattle's 11,000 employees have submitted vaccine verification or an exemption request. Safety, though, all these other problems, terror, murder, robberies, kidnappings. Is there any concern that if police forces shrink or if the size of the ready military force shrinks, that the United States or localities may not be equipped properly to deal with Peter, more than 700,000 people have died of COVID. Uh, again, it was the number one cause of death among police departments and police officers. It's something that we should take seriously. Departments are trying to save people in their departments, people who work for them. We support that effort, and there's been success across the 52% of COVID deaths last month in the UK, 52% came among the fully vaccinated population of those countries in the UK. It's not a panacea. It does not stop COVID-19. They told us for months and months and months, we have these vaccines that are going to save the world. When we get them, if you get one of these vaccines, you're going to live. You'll stop infecting people around you. None of that's true. None of that is true. They never told us there would be boosters necessary. We were told one shot is going to help your body create the necessary natural immunity going forward after that vaccine so you'll never get it again. Kind of like the mumps and the measles and polio. It's not a vaccine by vaccine standards by the definition of what vaccines are and how they work. But yet, for political purposes only, they keep cramming them down our throats. So that got started on illegal immigration and transporting these illegals all around the nation in the dark of night. And it ended up, Peter Ducey had the floor to ask two other questions, and so he got into it, the tax thing, and then, of course, the vaccine thing and people being forced to vaccinate or lose their jobs. But there's something else going on regarding illegal immigration. For months now, we've talked about it here. You've heard other stories. Texas ranchers have dealt with a relentless stream of these illegals crossing their property, cutting fences, breaking into their homes, threatening them, killing their livestock. And these Texans, they're losing their patience, folks. Rural Kenny County where Brackettville, Texas sits, I know right where it is, has become a major thoroughfare for these illegals trying to avoid law enforcement at the border. The county shares just 16 miles of international border with Mexico, but it sits right between Del Rio and Eagle Pass, two of the major illegal border crossing areas in the state. The Kenny Sheriff's stable of six full-time deputies 
has been beefed up by constables and deputies from Galveston. But with 1,360 square miles to cover, it's an insurmountable ratio. The Texas Department of Public Safety has had an impact, catching smugglers on the roads and illegals on ranches, but still, folks, they're outnumbered. Meanwhile, a guy named Sam Hall is the founder and the president of militia group Patriots for America. He has spent the past week in Kenny County. And he said this, what we've seen is an invasion of this county. He said that during a county commissioner's meeting two days ago. What we've seen is residents that are scared to death right now. They don't feel like they have support from the state. He said they'll have, his militia will have around 40 men in the county by the end of the week and a toll of 100 by the end of next week with even more coming. The militia's arrival is happening against the backdrop of reports that 60,000 to 85,000 mostly Haitian migrants are on their way, a new convoy headed toward the U.S. border. He said we need the right men. And as many men are wanting to come down here, we don't need just a warm body. We need very high IQ, situational awareness kind of men, he said. He said the militia will operate as a deterrent in areas of high traffic. As a militia, we can't detain or arrest people, he said. We can disrupt and frustrate until the county or Department of Public Safety can get there. He said the militia is self-funded, but members are having to take time off of work to join. He anticipate that members from Texas, Georgia, and Louisiana are going to travel to Kenny County in South Texas. We're not here to hurt anybody. We're not here to beat our chest, start a fight, nothing like that. We're here simply to keep people safe. We're not leaving as a militia until we know that this country is safe. So what did the sheriff think about this? Well, the sheriff at Kenny County is Brad Coe, and he said, they're welcome here, but we've just got to keep an eye on who they are, where they're coming from. He says Hall's militia group seems very squared away, and he hopes they'll stay in communication with him as to where they're operating and what they're doing. The best thing for them is to do is be in observation mode, the sheriff said. If somebody lets them on their private property, that's between them and the landowner. But if they see something, call us. Don't engage it. Don't start something that they can't finish or finish wrongly because then we'll really be open to a lawsuit. The sheriff said militias have gotten a bad name over the past few decades, but because of the militia, the United States exists, and so does the state of Texas. The sheriff said there's a place for militia here, but it has to be dealt with very, very delicately because there's a fine line there between vigilanteism and militia. Hall said he's aware that any mistake his members make will be exploited by the left, and so we can't have anybody down here that, you know, watch too many Rambo movies growing up and have these illusions of grandeur. We need people that have cool-headed discernment and wisdom and know that this is a high-stakes situation. So at that county commissioner's meeting, Coe's request for an initial 10 reserve deputies on an unpaid three-month rotation was approved by the commission. Coe said he may pull some militia members into that team, and he's also hoping that some local retired peace officers can help fill the slots. 
In its latest local disaster declaration filed October 6th, Kinney County requested that Governor Abbott immediately deploy 2,000 state military personnel to Kinney County to repel an invasion and protect the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Texas. Coe said he spoke to the governor's office. It isn't expecting any National Guard troops in the county, although 1,500 personnel are being deployed to the flanking border cities of Eagle Pass and Del Rio. The Department of Public Safety of Texas has arrested more than 1,200 illegals for trespassing on private property in Kenny County alone in the past 60 days, and County Attorney Brent Smith said he's received about 800 cases so far. However, the county remains concerned about access to jail space as it relies on a temporary detention facility in neighboring Valverde County to take the overflow while the state is holding inmates in a repurposed facility in Dilly. This this kind of this just it breaks my heart, it blows my mind. This is happening in our nation. The best and the best in the world in law enforcement. Handling it great for centuries, folks. Two two and a half centuries. We didn't get it right at the very beginning, and it's been developing over a period of years, but we have the ability and we have the mandate to abide by the rule of law as detailed in the United States Constitution and in subsequent laws that are passed at the federal level by the U.S. Com- uh uh, Congress signed into law by whoever's president at the time, and then at the state level and at the local level, same kind of laws. And until the Obama administration, we never saw the willful, nonstop thumbing of noses by federal officials at the rule of law and those duly passed laws by the government regarding federal lawbreaking. Barack Obama instructed Eric Holder, then Attorney General, to stop prosecuting illegal drug possession unless it was in an amount that could be classified as trafficking. That same Attorney General set up within the Department of Justice a process to sell guns, weapons, to allow the sale of weapons at our southern border to members of drug cartels so that when they were when they were accosted for their wrongdoing in the United States, the members of these drug cartels, and were in possession of those weapons, the United States Department of Justice could follow and find out where those illegal guns came from or initiated. What a stupid idea. And it cost the lives of two Border Patrol agents. Eric Holder, it was called Fast and Furious. Remember that? He wouldn't comply in any way, giving any information or documentation. Congress held him in contempt, a criminal referral. The federal judges in D.C. wouldn't even comply with the criminal referral, and Eric Holder and Barack Obama walked away unscathed. People died. Same thing going on now, but it's getting worse. We're going overtime today on the show. I'm sorry. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, David Scarlett, a pastor, is going to be here to talk about vaccine mandates and how Christians 
should be looking at them. What to do? What can we do? You have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live. You sheltered me from harm Kept me warm Kept me warm You gave my life to me Set me free Set me free Just to touch you once again